podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomofTheGiants.com. Today's Tuesday, the 11th of December 2018, and I'm a very croaky Patrick Smith. You're going to have to put up with what is a very sore throat this week, but we'll do our very best to get through it. The Belfast Giants undertook three games in the past week. Shock defeat to Dundee and a four-point weekend against Guildford and at home finally finally at home at the SSC Arena to take on the Cardiff Devils. We'll be talking to Hunter Bishop in the TFA later in the show and going through all the other little bits and pieces. But first of all, I'm joined by Mr. McGipsy. How are you? Good evening, Paddy. I'm very well, thank you. And Mr. Joel Neal. Hi, Paddy. Uh, last time I saw you was in Sheffield, and I, I was a little a little tired and emotional. I'm glad to have my voice back, and, and I sympathise for yours tonight. Mate, my, my voice is nowhere near what yours was. That <laughs> I was just I very tired. Right <laughs> we um, we may be joined later on by our good friend Simon Kitchen. Um, Davey, we might give, give him a call up while he's sunning himself in uh, sunny Barcelona. Uh, mm. He's doing exactly the same thing tomorrow as I'm doing, is going to watch uh, Champions League, except he gets to go to Barcelona and I'm going to Anfield. But uh, <laughs> b- both of which hoping that our teams win and get through to the next round of the Champions League. But that's a totally different competition, despite the fact that both the teams I support in regards to the Elite League and the Premier League are top of the league. But let's move on. <laughs> Here he goes. Yeah, but who, won, who, won, who won the World Series, though? Yeah. <laughs> As I said, let's move on. Um. The Belfast Giants had three games, as I said, in the last week, and we'll start with that game in Dundee against the Stars. Of course, the last time the Belfast Giants were there, it was an 8 nothing win. So I think we went in with a, well, a lot of confidence, despite the fact that the previous game was a loss to the Sheffield Steelers. It was a lot of confidence going to Dundee, despite also that Dundee were on a bit of a run. The game was live on Free Sports with Aaron Murphy, Paul Eddy and Chris Ellis. And the Belfast Giants were subject to a 6-4 defeat. Um, Giants opened the scoring six minutes, seven minutes into the first period of Jonathan Furland. But Sean Booten, less than a minute later, leveled proceedings against Stephen Murphy in the Belfast Giants goal. Um, Francois Bouchard made that 2-1 before a lovely shorthanded finish from Dustin Jonner made it 2-2. And then Dustin Jonner popped up again on the power play to make it 3-2 to the Giants. Dundee hit back again with Francois Bouchard with his second to make it 3-3 before the end of the second. And then the third period just belonged to the Dundee Stars. Brian Hart, Matt Marquand and Bouchard with his hat-trick goal put the Stars 6-3 ahead. Uh, before Blair Riley, with just under five minutes to go, made it 6-4 and rounded out the scoring. Uh, in goals, Pontus Sorgen was, uh, got the win, 30 saves off 34 shots. Uh, Stephen Murphy in the Belfast Giants goal, 17 saves off 23 shots. Your referees for the evening were Tom Darnell and Dean Smith. Um, Davey, how shocked were you at that? Um. 
Look, we beat them eight nil a week before. Obviously, Sheepdog and Nets makes a massive difference. Sugar and Nets is is been outstanding against us this season. He's a very good goaltender. However, kind of mitigates slightly. You know, fourth game in seven nights, all on the road, uh, in the in the midst of this. I was kind of thinking about this game as we were driving along the other day in the car, and you know, talk about wins. And when you win, it's not important how you win. It's just important that you win. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't it can be ugly. But the two points is the main thing. So. I sometimes wonder why the manner of, of defeat gets, uh, you know, interrogated so much as well. Does it matter how you got beat if you got beat? And this is kind of one of these where we did not have a good night at the office. You know, I think the coach came out, the came out afterwards and, and talked about passengers or something along those lines. I can't remember his quote now because there's been you know, another handful of games since then. But you know. The amount of two on ones we gave up, we left Stephen Murphy out to out to dry on a few occasions there. You know, the, the, all those things that haven't been in our game over the last sort of six weeks crept in, and we also had that little. We can give up goals in bunches, and we give a few goals up in, in a little bunch there in the middle of the of the third period to kind of kill the game off and left us really, really chasing for that last sort of ten minutes. And yeah, we came on stronger. There was a, 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 a good sway of that game. I'd say the first 20, 25 minutes of that game, we were in pretty good control of the game. We were getting some good performances from, from, from players all over the ice. And then, unfortunately, we, we just left ourselves too much to do towards the end of the game. It's one of those, I said afterwards on Twitter, that, you know, not criticising too much. I'll critique it tomorrow. When I'll take, get, get the game, watch it back again. Look at the mistakes. See if, see if the, you know, if there's any patterns emerging with there wasn't it was just a bad night at the office and these things happen i remember back as far as doug christensen you know paul eighty's seasons going to car going to edinburgh getting beat and i think it might have been you that coined the phrase patty you know just throw the puck on the bed and you go back to work the next day which is what the boys did they've gone back to work they played guilford they played cardiff they picked four points out of four it's one of those blips when you look back hopefully at the end of the season you'll scan down and you go oh you know, it, it, hopefully it is a little speed bump on the road. I agree with you to an extent, mate, but one thing that I garnered from it and, and, and the minor concern, and I, I wrote this in the piece I wrote after the game, were those two-on-one breaks? Because it wasn't just in that game. There were two-on-one breaks throughout the previous game against Sheffield. And were, Do you feel that there were some defensive responsibilities being lapsed? Uh, tiredness has got to be a big factor, Paddy. We've shaken up the the back six, there, back seven, back eight that we we'll have. You know, there's there's big guys missing out. There's figures, but changed that um, Vandy play Saturday night didn't play Sunday, played Wednesday. Jelly in now the lineup, you know. So there's there's just players play with different different guys, and you get used to get different guys doing different things. And even as far as Sunday, you'll see the, the goal that the, the Cardiff Devils scored. Bit of a line change. The Giants just don't get back into position. So that was a thing that. The, it's it's one of my bugbears if you ask TV's nearly coach Russell. You know, line changes is one of my things. And I like guys to get off the ice. I like guys to get on, get in the position as quickly as you can. If you're going for a change, get off the ice and let the other team, you know. Mm. So it's just little things that we did that then factor into giving away to them once. You know, if you're not getting off the ice quick enough to let your D-man on quick enough, all of a sudden your gap's bad and, you know, you're, you're, you're under pressure before you've even hit the ice. So I think it, uh, I don't think that, one thing is a bad pattern that we got into because against Guildford we didn't really and against Cardiff we certainly didn't. So no. towards the end of four games in, in seven days, you know, seven nights, we've came out of that road swing. And, you know, if you'd have, if you'd have plugged that in anywhere along the way, 
it's still fresh in our mind it's going to be in seven days ago or not even seven ago now but if you know if you looked at it across the, the 19 games or whatever it was and said you were going to take 16 of them home you'd, you know you'd have had to say you know that's fantastic and that brings me back to my very first point you know we're, we can get really really low on a loss when get really high on a win you know you've got to mm. try and stay balanced in there that you know let's not be too critical of the way we lost we lost you have to just move i don't think we're being overly critical I've, i agree with you i don't think we're being overly critical consider how good this team has been but joel you'd give credit to the dundee stars i, I, I laughed after the game going back to those those two on one breaks the stretch stretch passes to a breakout is just um Pure Omar Pashak. I remember watching the, the, the whole Stingrays do exactly the same thing. Yeah, this is something we've said before this season. Omar Pasha is a, an excellent coach um, who doesn't have maybe a lot of resource compared to other teams in our league. But nonetheless, he is, he is dangerous in his psychology and in the way that he sets a, a team up and in the systems that he runs. And we paid for it. Uh, you know, I think four of their goals were two-on-ones, breakaways. Uh, I mean that's that's unbelievable. Um, I like I I played amateur sport for a long time uh, and and I wasn't very good, but I I always try and look at the at the psychology of a game because um, it's something I realized very quickly that sets someone who plays a sport apart from someone who could make a living playing it. Uh, you know, you can train every day and whatever else, but psychology is the hardest thing to master in any sport, be that amateur or professional. And I think it would have been easy for the Giants to see this game as a bit of formality. You know, uh, we've said before what a difference a week makes in hockey. You know, you go from dominating them 8-0 to losing 6-4. But consider the Giants' schedule heading into that game. Consider the defeat we handed them last week. And Adam Keefe said it, you know, as, as fantastic as this team are, possibly just a few passengers, you know, the boys are tired. They've been away for such a long time. You're coming in again after having, uh, after having completely smoked them uh, a week previous. And, you know, Kiefer's always the first to, to sort of hold his hand up as well. And that's one of the things I love most about him as a coach. Um, if he ever kind of mentions passengers or mentions responsibility for things that have gone wrong in the next breath, he will own his share of that. Uh, I know he, he mentioned even changing the lineup. Um, it's very easy to look at Stephen Murphy as the problem, as, as the, the change that was made and the problem as to, as to why we conceded so many goals. But listen, you sit Tyler Beskarowani for a month and even he would be rusty. You know, you, you bring him in like that, um, against the team who are kind of hitting a hot streak as well. Yeah. And even, even he would pay. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's just, uh, as Davey says, it's a rough night of the office. Uh, I think that we, maybe took our eye off a little bit or, or maybe just weren't full, fully gung-ho for it. Um, you know, the, the back and forth scoring in that second period is, is not the Giants. It's indic- indicative to me that we were just fatigued or, or, or just not at the races that night. But listen, if, as you say, if we look back at the end of the season and, and, and point at that and, and it's been a lesson learned in the long run, then it's worth it for me. You know, obviously the, the Giants went on to show that we were right back on the horse this weekend. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely. I think there are, uh, we'll move on from that then, because um, there are no highlights available as yet. It was a free sports game. I know that some clubs have put out highlights of free sports games, but um, not yet from Dundee. So if that does appear, you'll see it on at AVFTV on Twitter. Uh, and we move on to Saturday's game at the Spectrum, the final league trip to face the Guildford Flames in Surrey. And it was a 3-1 win back on the horse for the Belfast Giants. Uh, Blair Riley, rich vein of scoring form. Joel Neal's unofficial of you from the bridge player. The what most. a boy, the greatest of all time. The goat, <laughs> the goat rides again with, with the opening with the opening goal. 
uh, on a feed from David Rutherford after being played out by Tyler Beskrow. And we'll come back to that goal in a second. Um, they doubled the lead. Darcy Murphy scoring midway through the second period. And then Francis Bovillier making it 3-0 just about a minute later. Uh, Guildford did hit back in the midway through the third through Ian Waters, but that rounded out to scoring. Uh, in nets, Chris Carosi, uh with the loss, 38 saves on 31 sh- 41 shots. And the other side, Tyler Beskarwani, back in that 33 saves off 34 shots. Your referees for that game were Stephen Hogarth and Dean Smith, who seems to be doing a lot of our games at the minute. Um, Joel, I'll go to you on this one. Back on the horse, this was the final game of this 17-road domestic stretch, and the Giants finished it with a plum. I am so, so glad that we have our third and final trip to the spectrum out of the way for yeah. this season. Um, visiting that barn makes me nervous. Uh, Guilford Flames are not anything to be sniffed at. I think they're a dangerous team on their night. We went in there having lost two on the bounce, still missing Patrick Dwyer. Obviously, Jelena's not there. Uh, Matt Toe's not in the lineup to, to kind of back anybody up. Um, but listen, the, the lines that you rely on to fire, keep on firing the first two goals, uh, Blair Riley, Darcy Murphy, and uh, even my, my highlight of the night, Tyler Beskarwani, the, I suppose, official of you from the Bridge Player of the Month, getting himself the second apple. Um, just just to go in there and to turn those two uh, games around, I, I maybe think, I, I would I hazard to say that if we had had another routine night in Dundee, that that game maybe had, would have gone a different way. You know, you, you learn lessons very quickly whenever you go into a game and, and there's a sort of a degree of complacency. And I feel that the defeat uh, to Dundee midweek had maybe given us the shake that we needed to, to find league form. Uh, that was a massive weekend and, and obviously you've got that homecoming against the Devils looming the next day. You know the two points on the road there is critical despite how long you've been on the road and despite how bruised and battered and tired you are. Um, that was just a character win. Uh, you know, the, the, the mantra, the hashtag of this season, find a way. Uh, they, they just did. The Giants were fantastic. Davey, you know, as Joel said, you know, Guildford are a good team. They're able to change up their two important netminders. Cruz is as good as, as Fullerton is in that respect. But, you know, the Giants, that first goal in particular, as as was alluded to there from, from Besco to Rudy to Riles, is, uh, was, a, was a lovely piece of uh, end-to-end movement. Besco is, is keeping um, D-man from the other team on their toes because he's so active. And, you know, Simon talks about it a lot, on, especially on Giants TV, about... You know, there's no dumping in and going for line changes. So certainly there's no dumping going in for easy line changes. You know, somebody has to go in there after the puck as well because you get the opportunity. Besco's came out there. He's picked it up, threw it back to Blair Riley, who's threw it to, to Rudy, back to, to Riley. Lovely, lovely goal. But, you know, all started just by the active thinking that Besco has came up with. And, you know, he's been outstanding, let's be honest here. You know, he's, he's the best goaltender in the league at the minute by, by some distance. And he, he's given us offense as well as that that comfort blanket at the back so you know he started all things off there and we got the goal and we, and we went you know this was you know we went on Darcy Dangles has scored Frankie's came up with a lovely finish he's, he's just drove the blue paint and first for whatever reason he's been allowed to if somebody came into your house like that you, you'd want to you know you'd be very very disappointed if somebody got in on top of your goaltender so easy mm-hmm. credit to Frankie for going to the slot like and, and fairly for finding him with the pass but you know, for, for me, the, the D and, and the goaltender have to do better there to stop them coming in there. The, the, the majority of goals scored in any league worldwide are scored from that low slot. So you've got to protect that at all times. And and they just took a wee, a wee second off and it's ended up, you know, 3-0 lead. And at that stage, half an hour still to go in the game. We're able to see the game out with fairly 
regularity, if you want to call it that. You know, we we just played our, our possession and and killed it off at the red line. And uh, I thought it was a, a a good enough performance after coming off the defeat, as as Joel's also alluded to. There, you know, there was lessons learned. I think there was probably was a little bit of complacency going back into Dundee. Um, we should have looked back at the Dundee. Well, the players probably did look back at the Dundee tapes from the start of the season when we were facing, you know, a very, very good goaltender in, yeah. in Dundee. And we knew it wouldn't be the same game as the 8-0 from the week before. So, you know, with that in mind, we've gone all the Guildford, as you said, two very good goaltenders there. You, you know what you're going to come up against. Getting the early goal is always critical and following it up. You know, getting one goal is always not enough in this league. One goal one goals seldom win games in this league. So, you know, it was good to see us go on, getting the second, getting the third. And, and then... Having a relative, knowing that you, you've got a travel day the next day and a big game in the middle of the afternoon, it's good to get 3-0 up at the halfway point in the game and be able to conserve a little bit for what was going to be a massive game the next day. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that straight away. Actually, we'll battle through this. The highlights of the game uh, for from Flames TV, well, they're not online as yet. They seem to take quite a while at Guildford to, to get the, the highlights out. When they are, you'll find them at kingdomofthegiants.com and we'll point you in the right direction at AVFTV. Before we move on to talk about the Cardiff game, uh, I'll come to both of you. Um, I'll start with you, Joel. You know, that was game 17, 14 wins. That's the end of that run. There's a, still a lot of work to do, but let's just take a moment and recognise what an achievement those 14 wins were. Absolutely clutch. You, you just... There's nothing in the way that you recruit a team in preseason that can guarantee you that kind of form on the road. That, to me, is a team that have bought into Adam Keefe's concept, have bought into the club that they're playing with. And honestly, you know, you can you can say everything you like about, you know, playing for the colours, playing for the badge, whatever else. But that there is a room of boys who are tight as anything and are playing for each other. And you can see it. They're just having so much fun. Uh, and, and whenever the chips are down, you can see that they're grinding hard for each other. Just an absolutely phenomenal performance. There are... Many, many twists and turns, uh, and uh, as you say, you know, it's, it's far, far from over. Uh, many twists and turns and, and, and many sort of uh, dips in the road ahead. I have no doubt of we've been through this all before, but you cannot ask for more than what the Belfast Giants have handed us over this last month, month and a half. Just different level, phenomenal. Davey, uh, what are the comments from Adam Keefe on his post-game interview on Free Sports, having lost the game to Dunstead Stars? You know, he was he was talking about passengers and about guys just not going in for it. But one of the comments that he made was the fact, you know, are you, you know, are you too many away game, too game, too many games away from home, too bad. Get on with it. You know what I mean? Just have this attitude of this: we have to play these. This is how we're doing it, and they did it well. They did indeed, and, and you know, cliche. You know, de- you know, defenses win championships, and the goalies win games, and forwards decide by how much. You know, if I look down those stats over the last, I think we started away at, at Milton Keynes, wasn't it? And yeah. You go down there, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen of those, ga- those games we conceded two or less goals. Yeah. Just um, you know, gives you a chance to win every single night. Mm. The, the big man, and you know, I know, I know it. It's a bit of a tongue and cheek and all on on Twitter. There is Besco Mania is running wild, but his numbers back up. You know what he's doing here, and to have those shutouts, to have one goal games, two goal games, it gives you opportunities because this team's offensively gifted as well to come up with goals. And you know, on on any given night, two or three goals has got a very very good chance of winning us a game. You know, the only games we've lost in that in that run apart from the one we've talked about there uh, in the Dundee the blowout game you know we'd won away to the, the Flames at the start of that run 
and uh, wasn't it uh, Sheffield double header in the house of ten there where we've we've won one four two and lost one four two. We just got caught a wee bit cold, I think, on the Sunday, mm-hmm. and uh, just left ourselves too big a mountain to climb. And you know, Besco is the bedrock that that's been built on, but there's been good defence, there's been good performances mm-hmm. from from players right through that. There was players questioned that just before we went on that road trip as to whether it would still be Belfast Giants come the end of that road trip. And some of those players have put up staggeringly good numbers over the last sort of 20 games. So, you know, credit to them for digging in. Um, Simon Kitchen, we'll talk to him in a, wee, in a wee bit there. You know, he he was saying about Blair Riley, you know, when these players miss a bit of preseason, it's crucial that they get a few weeks to get their yeah. wheels under them. And, you know, those boys have got, got rolled. Darcy Murphy was really badly criticised last season for the slow start he made, and he ended up with 30 goals or something, and he's flying again this season. So, you know, some boys just take a little bit of time to get warmed up. There's a few there's a few boys in there still could be with a wee bit more heat that they've cooled off towards the end of this, this uh, road trip. But, you know, we're back home now. They're back in their home comforts uh, most of the time anyway. We've still a few games away this weekend, obviously. But uh, it's... Um, we're nicely positioned. Put it like that. That's it. Paddy, can I jump back in there? Do you mind? I just dare I say, I don't know if this is a spicy take or not, but a road swing of that magnitude, it's not a normal thing in a, in a sort of, in, in any sport really to be on the road for long. It's quite a rare thing, but it may have been the, the thing that galvanizes this team for a run at that championship. You know, uh, not, not to take away from the achievement or whatever else, but there is a certain, I'm going to use the word psychology again to going on the road like that for such a long stretch. You're going into every barn every night and you already have the sort of blood up. You're, you're good to go because you know you're coming in there as the underdog. You're facing a hostile crowd in their own building and you're doing it week after week after week. So you're playing for each other. You, you don't have anything familiar around you. You don't have your own fans around you there's a certain advantage to playing such a long road stretch as tiring as it may be and i not to jinx not to whatever but there's also challenges to coming back home you know you're coming back to play 29 home games over 17 weeks and there is a danger that complacency can creep in there you know you're you're in your own apartment you've got your home comforts around you you're in your own city and it's the the same sort of routine and 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 scenarios every single day i think there's nearly as much danger in playing that home stretch as much as there was being on the road i hope and i knock on wood and i pray that that was the this is the the thing, the essence that galvanizes this team for a run at the title. Um, but the the road stretch can also be looked at, I think, as a blessing. Well, that, well that, that's true. So, sorry, Paddy. If, if you go back, the, 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 these road swings sort of started in the Paul Eady season, mm-hmm. um, and, and we've had one every season since. We'll have to, you know, we'll, we'll come on in, in future weeks about the second ice pad and, and the benefits are, that that might bring, you know, the SSA, the Odyssey, it's a popular arena. We're going to have this, it seems, every single season. So that's something that has to be addressed. Yeah. I don't think you can be expected to do this every single season. But you look at that Paul 80 season that, that, that sort of started this. And when we came back from that road trip at Christmas, the league was nearly won. Yeah. The party of the league now, Belfast Giants have put themselves in a very strong position. Um, but you look that the Cardiff Devils are still there. The Nottingham Panthers are still there. Wide open. You know, it's still wide open. And, but... There has to have been, there has to be an advantage. There has to be an advantage to go on 18, 19 games, whatever it was on the road, and coming back with those points, 28 points or something out of 34, wasn't that what somebody yeah. said there? And You know, Joel's right. Complacency can set in. With Adam Keefe at the helm, I think he will be banging on to them. That, 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 that cannot set in. And they'll be working hard and hard and hard every day of the week 
to make sure that the position that they put themselves in isn't something they'll surrender easily. Well, in order to galvanise that position, you have to win your games at home, and that moves us on to Sunday's game against the Cardiff Devils. The back-to-back league champions making their first trip to the SSE Arena to take on the Belfast Giants, finally returning home after that long road stretch. And what a game that turned out to be. A 3-2 shootout win for the Belfast Giants. Um, scoring was opened after five minutes by Jim Vandermeer, an absolute belter of a one-timer who's whizzing past Ben Bounds on the power play and puts the Giants 1-0 up. Evan Mosey on a, feed, a heads-up feed from Gleason Fournier but, uh, just over a minute later makes it 1-1 and we're into the second period. Blair Riley continues that scoring streak and he makes it 2-1. Before in the third, Charles Lingley goes right in on top of uh, Tyler Beskarwani and just flips it over his blocker into the back of the net to make it 2-2. A scintillating overtime could not separate the sides and it went to a shootout. The scoring hero was David Rutherford, the only one person to score a goal in that shootout. And on the other side, Tyler Beskarwani conceding nothing from the shots and the Belfast Giants take the full two points, one point going to the Cardiff Devils. Uh, goalie stats, 65 minutes for each player, of course, each goalie of course. Tyler Beskarwani, 33 saves off 35 shots. Ben Bounds, 37 saves, saves off 39 shots. And your two referees were Stephen Hogarth and our good friend Dandy Alton. Um, Davey, I'll start with you. and this That was a hell of a game. Wasn't it just um, probably throwback night? <laughs> throwback night, yes. Beautiful shirts, Glover. Um, yeah, bravo. Those. Um, we did talk about them a couple of months ago, and I said they would look even nicer without the sponsors. But without the sponsors, we don't have a team out there, so you have to accept that uh, times have changed, you know. Um, but really, really beautiful shirts. I'll be um, getting it out on Twitter there. Whoever's got Hunter Bishops, will they do me a day? <laughs> but um, we shall see. Um, you know, we started the game well. I, I would say that it was probably an advantage Belfast Giants' first period. It was unfortunate they came back with a goal just so quick after we had scored because I think we had the impetus at that stage. They probably shaded the second. They were pretty strong, even though, you know, we, we have came away with the lead and, you know, getting that early goal for them at the start of the third period just left both teams not wanting to make a mistake in that last sort of period. So went the overtime. Obviously, that three-on-three, three. it has to be still, is it still? Still standard, you've got, got to call three-on-three overtime. It's got to be called three-on-three overtime. And it was exciting because, you know, you, you give up a, an opportunity, all of a sudden you've got break breakaway after breakaway. That just seems how it goes. And uh, the Belfast Giants just couldn't get the had opportunities in that in that overtime period. Ben Bounds comes up big on a couple of occasions. But again, goes to penalty shots and, and the first penalty shootout that we've had this season, obviously, uh, up to the five five shots per team, Besco coming up big and, and Rudy with the one that uh, gets uh, gets in glove side on low glove mm. on uh, on uh, Ben Bounds to to take the extra point. I think a fair enough result that there was um, three points spread between the, the the teams that night. I think the Devils, to be fair to them, um, came with a game plan. Standard Devils hockey. They're getting a, they're getting better. They're starting to warm up again. The you know the full complement of imports again and. <coughs> Excuse me, and uh, they came with the standard Lord brand of hockey. You know, they hit everything that moved. They tried their very, very best to get in around Besco and and look for for scraps. But uh, Belfast Giants were just able to get that extra point, which could be crucial come come the stretch. That OT was like it was scintillating. It's like you said, once a team commits 
and you and you break up ice because because your players are committing, they're probably all going to be on the along the stretch along the goal line. So if you don't score and it goes the other way, then you just have breakout after breakout after breakout, yeah. and it just was entertaining. It was brilliant to watch, but it was brilliant. Um, Joel, it was Teddy Toss night as well, and Blair Riley loved it. <laughs> One of my favorite clips from your unofficial AVFT. And the greatest of all time is Blair Riley. Yeah, uh, J- Jim ripped that. And, uh, oh, man. See, whenever he ripped that, I wasn't entirely sure that was in, honestly. Um, my mind flashed back to uh, one of those fantastic mic'd up videos uh, from YouTube. I think it's from maybe the, the American Hockey League. And it's the refs that are mic'd up on a Teddy Toss night. And when the goal comes in, the two refs are standing together watching the Teddies rain down. And he goes, I did one of these in the coast last year. All the Teddies rain down, cleaned up. Five minutes later, come out of the box and it was called no goal. And I was like, no, please, 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 no. Because I saw, like I saw uh, the refs going over to the box and taking a look. I thought he'd, he'd come, he'd hit the bar and come out. But thank God it was real to goal. And, uh, and Blair Riley turned around and sort of waved to the crowd as in, send him. <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, the a, a 5,000 plus strong crowd on a Sunday afternoon, absolutely packed into that arena to welcome the boys home. And, and obviously to see the Devils make their first visit to the SSE this season. Uh, a lot of people in the building there would probably have not seen the Devils uh, since we won the Challenge Cup last year. Uh, the atmosphere was something else, honestly. Uh, I, I spent the game up in, in BC with uh, with the loud ones. Um, and, and you know, normally you can sort of tell whenever we, we Joe is, is hammering the drum and, and the guys are trying to get chants going, you can tell if the if the, the, the arena is bought into it. And it was just thunderous from the very start. It was even before the overtime. Uh, you know, the, your, your basic kind of chants and, and the let's go Giants and all that kind of stuff. Uh, man, woman and child were, were just absolutely screaming it. Uh, and then whenever, whenever it got to overtime, every time that puck was turned over, this thunderous roar i just i haven't heard a crowd bought in quite as much as that in a long time and, and it's it's got a lot to do with how the giants played that game we came into that how, how fitting that we come back home after such a stretch and end up kind of physically playing like the road team you know the devils flew in on saturday and and we were straight back from guilford and um, kind of with the with the bus legs still under us you know uh adam keith was was uh free to admit in post game that the boys were tired you know they were just focusing on their next shift and they were they were breathing hard and um, besco said physically it felt like they weren't at home and um, regardless of the support so uh just a a, a huge character performance uh real real quality in that devils lineup still i i am of the belief that the, that you know every sports team is sick and I think the Devils have just started teetering off the top of the cycle. I think they're at maybe five past the R, and, and you know a, a few of those guys that that defined their their dominance over the past few years are gone. Uh, you know, uh, Hotham's away, but you've still got Joey Martin out there causing chaos. And honestly, Charles Lingley is probably the most entertained I've been by a single player, aside from Tyler Beskowani and Blair Riley, obviously, this season. Um, absolutely electric out there. If you give those guys a sniff in the neutral zone, they're going to make you pay. Uh, there were still defensive issues from the Giants, I have to be honest. Uh, I think that we were really bad at clearing out our own zone. I think we were we were being really sticky in our zone. We weren't making smart plays to clear. Um, a couple of really soft turnovers in the neutral zone as well. But as you say, that comes part and parcel with Andrew Lord's brand of hockey. The Devils are going to ram it down your throat, and they really did. Such a character win to really grind that one out on a, on a Saturday, on, on your second day in a row against a much fresher team. Um, and can I please just give a nod to Mark Garside, who played probably the best 
single ice hockey game that I've seen Mark <laughs> Garside play in, in, in maybe a couple of seasons. He was everywhere. He looked like Mark Garside of, of nearly 10 years ago. Uh, really, really quick feet, really gritty performance. Uh, and it's lovely to see, you know, the, the guys that maybe don't grab headlines all the time, just grinding it out and doing what they need to, to do to get the win. And to me, that just speaks to the fact that that whole room is bought into the goal. David, can I bring you back to um, Jim Vandermeer's goal? Uh, one thing I was writing a piece earlier on, and the art of the one timer. It mm-hmm. se- it seems that that sort of shot for it felt like an age had gone out of our game because maybe it was just you know the mid two thousands we were you know the league had reset with the elite league and players and standards had to rise and rise and rise. But but the actual strike, no, we saw we saw. Curtis Leonard had a brilliant one earlier in the season, but that strike from Jim Vandermeer, the accuracy of it, the speed of it, just stepping onto it, it, it was a delight. I would kind of disagree with you in, in no? terms of that that's gone out of out of the game. You know, we've had we've had great exponents of it over the years. You know, Stewart. Robbie shoot Rob Stewart his his first game back in the Theo season scores a goal that way. You know, from Vandy's strike the other night, we talked about Robbie Sandrock. Elsie had an absolute bullet from the blue line. We've been blessed with talent that have a fantastic one-timer. But I, I agree with what you're saying and uh, with what Joel said as well. I don't think Vandy particularly thought it was in either. Because when, <laughs> when, when uh, Blur's, you know, calling the teddies down, the teddies start to come, Vandy's sort of standing at the blue line, hasn't started to celebrate what's going on here, boys. And then, you know, I think it was almost too late to call. A good goal. And... um uh, what's some shots from William Cherry too from the goals oh, again? From the, the, the one that you've put on the um, on the little article that Jacko done, Blair Riley popping in um, from Rudy's you know mm-hmm. forehand backhand behind the net, whatever you call it, fantastic shot from from William Cherry. But um, no, I, I I disagree with you that the the art of the one timer. I think we just we get nostalgic um, and we 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 think everything was great in two thousand and two. But um, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> it was though. It was. I had hair. <laughs> there was a, a bit of a cameo. <laughs> and uh, but I think if you went through every roster that we have had um, since two thousand two, probably there'd be one or two guys that you absolutely had an absolute laser beam from the blue line. And then move on to that second goal, the pass from Rudy, did we? Oh, it's a, it, it is a thing of beauty, but really, really has that. You know, I'm surprised that the Devils actually closed that down in the second and third period. Whenever Rudy went behind the net, they had a player attacking each post. Um, especially when we had when when we had guys going in and around bounds, they had guys to close that out. You know, they weren't too slow and they were too slow and letting them do it once. Um, I wouldn't like to guess. I might maybe go through um, Rudy's first assists. It wouldn't take that long through the season and, and see how many of them are from that type of delivery from behind the net. You know, he likes to get into the office there and just pop it out, going the opposite way to where he's going. The D-man, the goalie think he's going around one way and all of a sudden, bang, it's at the back stick. And, and you know, Darcy and Blair know to read that pass and, and go in there. But I think of all the ones, it's usually a little backhand pass in there before he goes. They swing it round, on, if you like, on the forehand behind his back with such accuracy. Okay, there's an element of, I'm going to say, I'm going to be harsh and say there's obviously an element of luck in it but there's it's a high skill play to to put that through a, sort of you've got three four five inches maybe to put that through for perfection for your for your for the, the captain to come in there and pop it away so absolutely brilliant play from Rudy there yeah uh Joel Furland against Batch non-event 
Well, you say non-event, but uh, I was down in the tunnel uh, waiting for for uh, the gents to appear for post game, and and Bachi came out uh, making his way to their bus, and he was sporting quite a shiner of his eyebrow, um, so he must have at least caught a hot one. Um, I, I don't know. It was it was down at the opposite end of the ice from where I was. It was down in the east end, uh, and it definitely pumped the building up and seemed to pump the boys. It just it just took the a very tight game to that next kind of level. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, it was over kind of before it started, and and I, I'm not a fan of uh, when people see a takedown and assume it's a win. Uh, you know, a takedown is the end of a fight. It isn't the fight. Uh, I, that's been a bugbear of mine for a long time. But I'm definitely sure he caught a hot one. Uh, either that or the hairdryer flew across the locker room after because he had quite the shiner. It was a good game. Um, the highlights in that game are available from Belfast Giants TV. You oh. can see them on kingdomofthegiants.com. Right, listen, let's just call up Sis for the crack. Davey, we'll leave this one to you. You can uh, you can call up the Lilt Man. Here comes the Lilt Man. Lilt. Here comes the Lilt Man. Lilt. Good evening, Sam Kitchen. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, Jimmy. How are you? Welcome to a few from the bridge, live from La Ramblas in uh, Barcelona, I believe. I'm standing right in the middle of the street, the moment. Is there any, uh, Ramblas and... any reason why you're in Spain? This is uh, yes. This, I'm this... here to watch uh, Tottenham Hotspur versus Barcelona tomorrow night. But we thought to come out like a day early to to, to savor the the entertainment in Barcelona. The uh, of course your second or third love behind uh, the you know East Belfast fans, Glen Torn, and of course the Belfast Giants. Who before you headed off to uh, Barcelona last night, you did the commentary with uh, some American guy. Um, some yeah. Uh, on a shootout win over the uh, Cardiff Devils. How'd you fi- how'd you feel the game went yourself? Uh, I thought we we sort of controlled the first, uh, second period, Devils like. I think it was the first seven minutes where we were really, really good. We, we don't think we got out of our end. Got a bit of a chance. Scored the goal. The go-two-one ahead. And again, the Devils came back at us. It was a really, really tough game. You know, they're 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 a good team. They've got some really, really good players. Trying to get across the road here, but that's besides the point. Um, some really, really good players, and. Uh, Overall, you know, getting at the overtime, picking up that point was important, really, really important. And then obviously getting the, the shootout winner from Rudy. Uh, but best go 7 4 out of 5 was just brilliant. Yeah, I was talking to Todd Kelman briefly last night and was obviously saying to him, you know, probably the two premium goaltenders in the league, a lot of the premium forwards in the league, certainly some of the best D men in the league. It was probably fair enough that the game had three points in it. I think it was the, the premier goaltender in the league, which was Tyler Besker, Lamy. Ben Barnes got a bit of lucky last night. Made a couple of really good saves. You'd expect him to, you know, to challenge for them. This year, he's not the best. He's not the, the premier goaltender, I think, in my opinion. But uh, Besker was outstanding. Absolutely brilliant. Made the big saves when he had to. And uh, thoroughly deserved his win. This Besco mania is running wild. You know I love my stats, says, and, and I don't need to go on about, you know, 9.46 or something this season. Davey, Davey, yes. you, you go, go on about them. Go on about them. Well, so, like 9.46 or something through 22, 23 games this far, so far, Simon. You know, when you were getting a top-drawer goaltender, did we think he could be this good? I don't think so. I really and, don't think and so. And as consistently good? 
that that's the most important part of it. You know, it's been he played was it seventeen in a row in the league, and you know we gave him a break during the week. Uh, Murph came in, unfortunately didn't get the result we wanted, and then Bess will come back in with two and two in the weekend, and he was brilliant against Guildford. I watched that game um, after being out on Saturday night, and then obviously watched the, the Sunday game. Um, at the SSA Arena, but uh, uh, some of the words that you need to speak about Desco are far too long and too big for me. Hmm. I'm not that smart. I'll leave that to you, Paddy. And, and a real quick word on the captain. Um, well, sorry, Captain Burr Riley. Um, you know, off the bit of a slow start this season, faced a lot of criticism, picked it up spectacularly, scored in every game in December so far. He's, he's really uh, he's really on the, in the middle of a hot streak at the moment. I, I still don't understand why he was under criticism at the start of the season. He was injured coming into the year. He picked up a concussion. Um, he's been... Since he's, like, see, when you miss pre-season and you don't get that, you know, the, the two or three weeks of hard skating under your belt, it is really hard to recover. It took him three or four weeks to do that. Since the start of October... Best go aside, he has been the best player in the league by a country mile. There's a guy walking towards me, and seriously, all right, by God, you squeeze the bingo bus. He's pissed. That must I mean, be carry on. Sorry, that must me. be Mo Kitchen, or is that someone else? No, no, he's walking the other way. I'm surprised he's actually still upright. <laughs> right, well, here we're going to go and do the rest of the podcast here. So enjoy your trip. Enjoy your enjoy the Lionel Messi show tomorrow night, and. Uh, We'll catch up with you next time. Take 22, this is Jason Taff Ellery. Listening to... (laughs) Take 26, this is Jason Taff Ellery. Listening to A View from the Bridge, the best podcast in the Elite League. Time for the fan agenda brought to you by Belfast Giants TV. Um, this week, we're joined by a man who was a, one of the later arrivals to the roster, but we're also very pleased to be have his official biographer on the panel as well. It's Hunter Bishop. How are you, mate? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Nice. Good to have you on. Um, let's have a quick reflection on the, the last week. Obviously, a bit of a shock defeat that took place in, in um, Dundee last week considering that the week before it was 8-0 and you know to go into Dundee and lose but bouncing back really well against the Guildford Flames and of course the Cardiff Devils yeah you know what I you know no everybody can come up with excuses but you know we uh we've had a tough schedule here I think at, at a certain point it just kind of catches up to you but you know when you have 18 in a row like that on the road you just gotta you gotta find ways to win you know which we've been doing but I think uh, with that kind of schedule, it's going to catch up to everybody eventually. And, you know, we just didn't have the, the jam that night, unfortunately. So, but all about how you respond. We had a good uh, a good weekend here, so we got to keep pushing forward. Three games a week, every week for the last three weeks. How does that affect the team? Uh, you know, I, th- I think uh, we got a really good group of guys in the room. You know, if, if you got guys not taking care of themselves out in the, you know, the late hours of the night every every weekend and, and, uh, you know, not doing the right things to prepare, then it can, it can bite you in the ass. But 
Um, you know, we had, uh, like I said, we got a really good group in the room and, and guys are dialed in and, and, uh, taking care of their bodies. And, and that's really what it boils down to when you got that kind of schedule, you know, guys got to look after themselves outside of their, outside of their rink. And, you know, I think for the most part, guys have really been doing that. Hunter, it's Joel here. Um, I want to just kind of wind it back to whenever you first signed um, Belfast. Obviously, as Paddy mentioned there, you were one of the later additions to the team um, following a, a kind of lengthy spell in the EBEL. Whenever you realized you were coming to play uh, ice hockey in Belfast, Northern Ireland, uh, you know, it's, it's not uh, two kind of terms that are often jammed together outside of the UK. What did you expect playing hockey over here to be like? And then whenever you arrived and settled in, uh, what is it like in real life? Was it anything like what you imagined? You know what, it's, uh, when I came here, you know, I did what most guys do. I talked to anybody I knew that he either been here or knew someone that had been here. And all the reports I got was that it was a really good league, that there was quite a few, you know, really high-end skilled guys that are over here, uh, which that part is most certainly held true. And I also heard that it's, it's more physical than your traditional European style hockey, you know, in Austria and couple of other places you know it's definitely not as physical as it is at home in North America Um, but I heard that this league was quite a bit more like you know kind of a blend of the American League and the coast and you know I would say all that is held up completely true you know it is a physical league you got guys you know that have played yeah actually there's quite a few more guys in this league that have played you know a lot of NHL games you know you look at our team we got you know a couple hundred NHL games between you know players and you know, so I think you get a, you get kind of, you know, you get that really top end high talent that, you know, kind of at the end of their career, guys that have played, you know, really good numbers in the NHL. And, um, but it's definitely a, you know, man to man, I would say it's a bigger league than I expected. Um, yeah. You know, big ice, especially like in Austria and, and Germany, you don't, you know, most of your D-men are six foot or under, maybe six one you know, where most of these teams, you, you see some, a lot of bigger guys, which you don't usually find on the big guys. So, you know, I'd say there's a couple of things that I wasn't quite expecting, but for the most part, all the reports I got were pretty spot on. I just want to follow that up quickly. Uh, I was t- before we do these, I always take a look at, at kind of elite prospects and on your career history to date. You played uh, nine games in the coast for my favorite team name of all time, the Wheeling Nailers. Uh, that that team alone featured Joey Haddad that season, Lordo from Cardiff, Tim Crowder who's now in Coventry, and Paul Crowder who's now in Fife. What's it like to run into those faces over and over again around the world? Does it get any less weird that you're now in Belfast and these kind of guys keep appearing from uh, kind of the past in your career you know what in in hockey this is how this is how true even when you're like little the hockey world is so small it's insane and anywhere I go you get to talking with a guy for five minutes and you've either played with him against him or (laughs) he knows somebody that was your line mate last year it's just it's insane so I think that's (laughs) you know and I, I that's one of the things I love actually about um, you know, hockey, you're immediately right when you, you step into a room, like you're just, you're one of the boys. It's just how it is in hockey. And I, I think a part of that is, it's just, you know, it's good guys, good people, you know, hockey players are down to earth and, but yeah, that, I mean, the hockey world's insanely small and it, it's fun to, to see guys on the ice. And, you know, even yesterday, you know, we're pushing teddy bears. I started whacking Hattie in the back of the, <laughs> the, back of the legs. I think he turned around and was like, what's going on? You know, so, you know, you, you don't want to have any friends on the ice, but at the same time, it, it is nice to to run into to former teammates and you know, f- 
you know, friends that you, you had um, back in the day. So it, it is, it's fun. Hunter, you spoke there about some of the, the NHL veterans and NHL guys that, that we have on our own team. And I, I'm going to put it out there, the bar, you know, apart from injury, I think you'd have went on, you obviously had the contract and, and you know, to go to the NHL. How did you deal with that injury and then just not being able to make that next step back to the NHL and overcoming that and, and having to sort of accept that at some stage, you know, that dream's over and you, you came back down through the AHL and then took your chance to America. Was that a difficult thing to go through? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, honestly, it's it's the hardest part for any hockey player is realizing that that dream is over, you know. Um, but for, for everybody, you know, even when you're in the AHL at, at a certain point, you know, that has to end too. But yeah, I mean, it's, it was definitely one of the harder things. You know, one thing I learned signing pro was just how short that window is. You know, I had that, that first NHL contract two years in Montreal and uh, you know, the first year I got sent down right away, which, you know, obviously wasn't uh, what I was hoping for came right back up two weeks later, you know, I had a decent um, finish that first year. And then the second season, uh, threw my shoulder out and missed the whole year. And that was it. You know, it was like absolutely flew by two year contract was over. And then the next year was a lockout. So, you know, it, it's tough. It, you know, that time just kind of flies by you. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking at two way coast a deals and you know, that, that window, it just closes so fast. So, you know, from that point on, I just, you know, I, I, I tried to take, you know, take in every day, for what it was and live in the moment. Cause you know, it, it, it really does just, it, the time just flies by. And, um, so yeah, I, you know, I look at the, you know, a lot of these guys that, you know, it, it is a, it is a real honor to, to make it to the NHL. I'm sure anybody would say the same, you play that one game. So, you know, it, it you it's obviously something you look up to for the guys that, that got to do it. And, you know, you guys are always trading stories back and forth. So I think when, when a guy who played in the NHL starts trading his stories, I think guys listen a little closer because, you know, that is the dream from day one is to play in the NHL. And, and the the hard uh, the harsh reality is not everybody gets to do it, you know. Are, are you are you better at all about it? You know, or you've got like an acceptance with it now and you're just happy playing your hockey. You're still involved in the game. You know, it could have been worse. It could have obviously been better. But is there some sort of acceptance within yourself with it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, like life changes. I think once I, once I realized that my window has had closed and I remember it was that the last year in Manchester and, you know, I, I wasn't playing a lot of minutes. I was, you know, fighting all the time to try to stay in the lineup. And, and, uh, and that's when I made that decision to, to come over to Europe because I figured, you know, what a great opportunity to use the game and, and have some experience, see the world. Um, you know, my wife and I just got married and we headed off to Ljubljana, Slovenia, which, you know, we, we had no idea what to expect. And, and to be honest, my, my last, um, you know, four or five years that I've played in Europe and now in the UK have, have by far been some of the, you know, the, the funnest years I've ever had in hockey. So, you know, I would say, you know, if I were to say anything that hockey gave me overall is, you know, just the experiences that I've had traveling seeing the world different cities meeting you know i have teammates and friends from all over the world now um so that's definitely you know the thing that i value the most from the game gonna go to twitter after 
a couple of great questions there from Dave. I'm going to go to Twitter and pick up a few that we've been sent in. First one is one that came in straight away from Adam McKenzie, which is a, intrigued me. He says, totally genuinely, what is the deal with the tape job on your stick? <laughs> we've, we've had this discussion as well. It's pretty weird, but <laughs> the tape job did you just did you say Rudy sent that in? No, no. This came from Adam <laughs> McKenzie. I'll come to Rudy in a second. Oh, you guys want to know what's up with the tape job? So, uh, Jamie Ben is one of my favorite guys to watch in the NHL. Um, I played against him. Uh, when I was one of my first years up in Hamilton, uh, we ended up we were playing Dallas um, in the third round of the playoffs, and Jamie Ben was he was in the NHL then, I think as a rookie, and they ended up sending him down to the American League once their season had finished. Um, for wh- whatever the rules were, he I think he played a couple AHL games early in the season and then finished in the NHL. Anyways, they ended up sending him down, and he single handedly. Stole the series. I mean, this guy was was scoring one to three goals a game. He was, like, ridiculous. He was scoring goals from, like, you know, right outside the blue line. Um, Just absolute bombs. So, you know, when he went up to the NHL, he became one of my guys that I'd kind of focus in on and and watch a little bit. If you notice, his tape job is quite quite similar. So, I, you know, I honestly, I probably just gave it a try, gave it a go one game. Uh, scored a couple and, and, you know, the rest is history. And that's, you know, I've gone, I've gone with that tape job since. <laughs> once you get it, once you score a couple and you've changed something, you don't want to change it back. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a creature of habit for sure. One from Beth Nelson. Um, do you like to work with the junior giants whenever you have the time? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the junior giants, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I started, uh, I started, my camp, my hockey camp company about three, four years ago in Charleston, uh, working with the young kids. And, and to be honest, it's like, since I've turned pro, um, I, I did a lot of work in Innsbruck and I think it's just a, you know, for me, I like to feel connected in the city that I'm playing. And, and that for me has been the best way to connect is working with the young kids. Um, and you get to know, you, you meet a lot of people and, and just seeing the young guys, you know, they're all chasing the same dream. Um, you know, that I was. So I, I think just working with young guys, seeing their passion, um, you know, and kind of paying it forward in, in the game that's given me so much, you know, I, I love working with the young kids. So yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've enjoyed, uh, our schedule hasn't allowed me to get out there too much here in the last few weeks, but I definitely plan on doing more with those guys. Uh, a couple of questions here. They're more or less the same. One from Rosie Auckland, one from um, Dylan Cocky, which is like, do you? Well, I'll put Dylan's to you. Which is, do you think the elite league is catching up with the likes of the EBL and quality of players? Obviously, in the last twenty four hours, we've heard the, the the sad news of the what's going on in Zagreb and a lot of players being being uh, made available due to financial issues. But the EBL as a standard of league is is pretty high. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's definitely really high. I think. You know, you take the top, some of the top end, um, you know, the top six teams from this league, you know, against some of those teams in, in the EBL. And I think, you know, anybody could, could win on any given night. You know, I think uh, I, I was definitely, you know, I, I knew that this league was going to be good when I came here, but it's definitely um, another level than, 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 I had, than I had anticipated. So uh, to answer that question, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of teams um, in this league that would give – plenty of those evil teams are a really, really good run for their money. 
Uh, Hunter Joel again. Uh, if you don't mind, I want to take it back just to whenever you were in the coast and, and playing in the in the American League as well. Uh, in in 2012-13, uh, you played for how many? Four different teams, South Carolina, Lake Erie, Rochester, Manchester, obviously uh, 48 games for Carolina and then out on loan around the place. Um, I have a sort of strange fascination with this, you know, the, the sort of logistics and the life that goes on away from the ice. And I've, I've read a lot of great articles and essays. There was one last year, I think the Players Tri- Tribune might have done that featured our, our own ex Alex Foster mm-hmm. um, just about life in the minors. You know, the, the grill and bus rides and, and the bouncing around and, and never really being settled in any one place. And um, what's it like? What's that like? like i mean a lot of the people listening to this will work normal jobs and will have lived in the city that they're in all their life and will never know that life is it uh grueling uh, d- d- does it come up with does it bring up so many great stories do you look back on that time in a good light or a bad light can you give us any kind of insight well you know what i uh yeah and i this is a story that i love telling but you know the the year i ended up in charleston uh was coming off my nhl deal i had an offer um, to stay within the Montreal system, but it was, you know, it was kind of a two-way East Coast American League deal, and yeah. and I, I just decided I, I wanted to make a a change. So I ended up in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, uh, similar to here, it was a really late signing. Um, and what, when I met my wife Tara, she said that Charleston, South Carolina, was her favorite city in the U.S. I'd never heard of it. Of course, I was <laughs> from Alaska, and I was from Alaska, so I, I'm not sure uh, we know about too much going on in the lower 48 anyway, but. Um, anyway, I ended up in Charleston. It was the least amount of money, um, I had made at, you know, up to that point in my career, but it was honestly one of the funnest experiences of my life. You know, it was, it was a great city. We had a really good group of guys there. Um, you know, it was honestly one of the, you know, probably the most fun I'd had in hockey, you know, to date. So, yeah, you know, but back to your point there, you know, that was during the lockout. So as soon as the lockout ended, I ended up um, yeah, the first call out was call up was to Cleveland. That was for about two weeks. And, you know, <laughs> I, I was, I mean, I don't know if you've ever, ever been to Cleveland, Ohio, but it's definitely not the, not the <laughs> city in the, in the States to end up in. So, you know, that's tough. Cause I, you know, I was with my wife down there in, in South Carolina and then I get a call up and you don't know how long it is. You know, she ended up staying in South Carolina while I went up to Cleveland and she was kind of like in limbo, you know, waiting to see what happened. So they sent me down. Um, and then I get the call up from Rochester and, you know, this is, this is one of the things that I, I don't think most, a lot of people know what goes on, but you know, my agent calls me, he says, Hey, Ro- Rochester wants to call you up. Um, they say it's a good opportunity. They need a guy that can hop in and play. And I'm like, you know, great. You know, obviously my goal is to get back to the American hockey league at that point. Yeah. So, you know, I get called up for one game. I think I played, maybe five or six shifts the entire night. And then they sent me home right after the game. And I was like, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> yeah, I'm going, first off, it's freezing cold in Rochester. And it was 70 <laughs> degrees out back in South Carolina. And I'm like, my wife's back there. I'm like, so I, I remember calling my agent and I said, the next team that wants to call me up, if, if I'm legitimately not going to play, it's not a good opportunity. I don't want to do it. I'd rather stay down here in the coast, you know, put together a good season. So that last call up was to Manchester yeah. Um, and that ended up being a really good opportunity. I stepped right in, you know, I played, I played good numbers or, uh, I played good minutes right off the hop and I ended up sticking, which, you know, it ended up working out. I got a good American league contract that next year. Um, you know, so yeah, the bouncing around it's, it, it sucks. You know, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> you're, 
you know, you, you're you're literally packing. You have no idea how long. Um, you know, I, I don't. I haven't ran into too many guys that that would say they enjoyed the up and down thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you never you never really feel like you belong. You get you know you're you're always kind of looked at as as just a call up. You know, so it's it's really hard to kind of I I, I I don't know how you characterize it, but kind of earn the respect in the locker room as you know being one of the boys. Um, you know, so it's, you know, every, every once in a while, and, and it's what you're waiting for is that, is that, that call up where, you know, right away you fit in and, and there's a good spot for you and you can kind of, you know, get into the swing of things right away. And, and that's what happened in Manchester, which, you know, I felt really lucky to, to get that chance and, and ended up working out and stay there for two years. If I can just come in there, how do you focus then if you're in that sort of environment on, the job at hand, which is obviously if you're in the AHL, you're going after the Calder Cup, but you're always, you want them to go up. You want them that step up the NHL. You're trying to avoid that step down into the coast. How, as a player, as a team, do you focus on your team and, and, and success? Yeah, like, you know, I think that's, I think that is the tricky part. I, you know, and and it's one thing that I think, you know, a good coach can teach guys early is that with team success comes individual success. And I think the earlier that, that guys buy into that, you know, the better off they are. Cause the guys that come in, you know, with kind of a selfish mindset and they're just trying to get points, you know, I think at a, at a certain point it becomes, you know, it'll, it'll come to light and, and everyone will see, you know, kind of where their priorities are. So I think, you know, I think the, what helped me was, you know, just buying into the team success. You look at that call up I had in Manchester, you know, I didn't, I didn't light it up with points, you know, but I was playing third line and, and, you know, creating, uh, creating energy on the ice and creating buzz and playing physical and fighting when I need to. And, you know, and I think that's what got me that, that next year got me an American league contract, you know, where I couldn't get sent down, you know, I, I mean, technically they could have sent me down, but I, I got the one way American league contract. So, you know, I knew that was going to be the next step, you know, being a call up and then, you know, that, that next year was kind of my next opportunity to get back on an NHL deal, which, you know, unfortunately that didn't happen, but I think that's just kind of the way you got to look at it is, you know, focusing on the, you know, the team success. And I think individually, you know, guys will get rewarded. Hunter, Patty and and Joel have taken you back four, five, six years there into the sort of the AHL coast time, but, you know, if I if I dare take you back even further, you know, the NHL dream, the, the even going to college dream doesn't happen if your dad doesn't flood the backyard for you. You know, if Bill doesn't put that rink in, if you don't have your fantastically named sister Kill to play against. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, there it is. <laughs> how, how, how important is family to hockey player? You know, mum and dad driving to those practices, to have your sister to play against, to be able to go to college with her and, you know, just give a shout out to your mom and dad there. You know, are they watching the games when you're over here? They stay, you know, there's a fantastic website, which I'll not put out there, that your parents have obviously maintained over your career, which is something brilliant for you to look back on. But how important is it to have that family that is just support there for you? You know, uh, when I look, when I think when I look back to hockey, it's always going to go back to, you know, the beginning. And that was my dad coaching me, um, coaching my sister, and then, you know, I, I think I think it's still on YouTube. I don't know if you guys actually watched it, but the the real mystery Alaska. <laughs> a buddy of mine 
made a video of my outdoor rink and there's some really good shots. I'm actually standing in my foyer uh, right next to our living room with my skates on. And of course, you know, I think my mom just gave up when we were walking coming in from the rink and with, you know, our sharp skates walking all over her hardwood. I think she pretty much just gave up on uh, our foyer ever being nice. But, you know, I, I think that's definitely, you know, in the end, I'm always going to look back to the beginning. And, and those were the greatest memories is, is calling up my buddies and, and us just playing shinny hockey out on, you know, literally right on the side of my house, uh, side of my house. My dad ended <laughs> up getting, my ended up, we ended up getting the rink from like, in elementary school who was going to re redo their outdoor rinks. We got like legitimate boards and we had caged. We had like floodlights on all four corners. And, That's ridiculous. Um, and dude, it was unbelievable. There was like, there was a nice uh, ice skating path from my front door that went right to the rink. It, it's on YouTube. The real mystery last you can check it out. Um, but probably one of the best memories I have, my sister who was a defenseman, um, TLC, we were out there playing one-on-one and like, I mean, I got to give it to her. She was, she was a really, really good defenseman. Like we would go one-on-one and like, I, I would actually get quite rattled because there'd be times where like, you know, I wasn't getting past her. Of course, you know, I always looked at her as my little sister who was a girl, you know? And, uh, I remember, um, she stole the puck from me. And of course, on one side, we didn't have boards. It's just like a snowbank. And I ended up, I ended up like pretty much running her into the snowbank. <laughs> and my, my stick came up and like slit the top of her eye open. Okay. And at, at this, at this point, it was a huge deal in our house because my mom was getting pissed that we weren't wearing helmets on the ice. But of course, we, we wanted to wear hats because our ears were like frostbit frozen. So. So I remember my sister, when we went in, I was like, Teal, Teal, don't, don't tell mom. Like, we'll never be able to find her without helmets again. <laughs> so she ended up trying to hide it from my mom. Of course, you know, of course she found out eventually. But yeah, so Teal and I got to go on and play college hockey at the same time, which was, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't know too many siblings that have gotten to do that. And it was, you know, it was pretty special. She, she came to all my games when she could. I got to watch her and, and uh, we actually lived together my first year. Which my second year we, you know, mutually decided we needed our own own spots uh, for various reasons. But she, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we we had a great time. My my sister, my my whole family, I you know, we're extremely tight knit. I talk to my parents every single day. Um, my younger sister Vivian actually just moved to Charleston, South Carolina, so she's gonna she's gonna be living near us, uh, you know, for the next some time. So yeah, I mean. Family's been everything uh, for us, and you know we're definitely a hockey family. My dad, he played, and you know he's missing his front tooth. He looks pretty similar to Rudy when he's got him out, and uh, you know so yeah, it's it, it was great. I I could I could go I could go with stories all day about you know growing up with the with the rink on the side of the house. You know it was it was always the weekends were always spent at my place and playing endless hours of hockey on the outdoor rink. And to be honest, in Alaska, there's not a whole lot else you can do from September to, to April. So, you know, the outdoor rink, we had speakers going and yeah. 
great memories on the outdoor rink. Sounds like a hell of an experience. Well, listen, we really appreciate your time, Hunter. What I'm going to do is just finish off. We were spammed earlier on by a guy called DJ Rutherford who asks a number of questions, which I'll just batter you with here. One was, how, <laughs> what, first of all, he asks, how great is your road roomie? Then he asks, <laughs> how much do you hate baby shark? And then he asks, <laughs> what's your favorite animal? Pick whatever one of you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rudy, Rudy thinks that I love Baby Shark, but I've listened to that song so many times. My daughter goes nuts. Like, yeah, she I, can, I can sympathize with that. So, when that's, I literally cringe, you know, through my bones when I hear that thing. But, you know, Brody loves it. So happy kids. I got to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rudy's a, Rudy's a great road roomie. I will say we, you know, our our schedules align. You, you find that out right away when you when you room with someone. Uh, you know how you guys do your pregame, and you know who you know. Do you guys both like, the, you know, the timing of like taking a shower, taking a nap, all that stuff. You know, you got to work that out. So Rudy's been uh, pretty accommodating. So I'm pretty happy with the guy. So so far, so good. Fantastic. Well, Hunter, thank you very much for your time, especially you know with the game tomorrow. We uh, it's it's quite late, so we appreciate you chatting to us, and we uh, hope to speak to you again soon. All right, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Hunter Bishop for his time. Let's have a quick word about the Player of the Month sponsored by Phonicab. There was only one winner, and back-to-back winner for the month of October and now November, Tyler Beskarowani with 47% of the vote. It was pretty pretty clear-cut, Joel. (laughs) There was only one one winner. Was there, Pat? Was there really only one winner? Hockey was the winner, mate. Hockey was the winner. The Belfast Giants were the winner. I love Tyler Beskarowani, right? I love him. I, he's he's fantastic. He's just he's a good dude. He could he could stop the tide. But Blair Riley is my player of the month for the second month in a row. Blair Riley is out there killing it. He is on the hottest. He's he's having a career season. Twenty four percent, mate. Twenty four percent. Blair Riley has hauled this team onto his back and carried them through the UK, picking up points as he goes. Tyler Beskarowani could save those with his eyes. No, I'm joking. Listen, Besko deserves it. There's, there's no doubt about it. He's uh, one of the most impactful goaltenders I can remember in recent memory. Uh, there is something to be said for, for quality <laughs> elsewhere in the team. And, and I know I, I am very tongue-in-cheek when I, when I make those jokes about Riles. He's, uh, I just think he's silenced a lot of critics. And it, it hasn't even just been a hot streak. He's just been consistently fantastic. But... Honestly, you could probably give Tyler Beskarowani that award every month this season. So we're going to have to take a look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Davey, um, superbly, the numbers speak themselves. You threw them at us uh, last week. 10 wins from 10, 97% saves, 1.12 goals against average just for the month of November. Phenomenal. What I will say is, you know, is he as good as Jordan Kearney, the, the elite leagues player. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I, you know, from from a, I was trying to work out what they've done there, and they obviously take the four players of the week. They do. Um, and I wouldn't even say Jordan Kearney was particularly the player of the week any of those weeks, but it is a bit of a popularity contest at the end of the day. And I've seen even the BIH player of the week, Bundy Stars, I think Bouchard against Rudy, and they've drawn it. And I, I'm a... I'm not a fan of committees, but I think that, you know, if you're going to have a league-wide player of the month, you, it's, I suppose we, we, we put it out to the fans to vote on as well. And 47% of the fans think that uh, 
Tyler Beskarawani was player of the month. That means 53% of the fans were wrong because 100% <laughs> of the fans should have been voting for Tyler Beskarawani last month. Hard, hard wrong. You're wrong, David. You're wrong. <laughs> because if you look at that, uh, just the figures that you threw out there, Paddy, to save 97% of the shots that come at you in the top league in the UK, you know, they're, they're not... They're not rubbish shots. These are good shots. These are, you know, even look at the, the penalty save he comes up with against Joey Martin um, <laughs> in, the, in the Odyssey on Sunday there. The big man is on the top of his game. He's fit. When we can get him rest, we need to get him rest. And that, you know, he's too good for this league. He's a Brock McBride. He's rubbish, mate. He's rubbish. Can't have a podcast without talking about the best number twelve. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! The ten uh, percent of votes went to Kevin Ray, and twenty four percent of votes went to Blair Riley. Nineteen percent of votes went to David Rutherford. But of the eight hundred and fifty two votes cast by you, four hundred of them, quick maths there, went to the forty seven percent of Tyler <laughs> Beskarowani. Uh, congratulations to him on winning back to back Player of the Month awards sponsored by Phone Cab, and that was presented to him on Sunday by uh, by Katie Graddon, who recently walked um, 297 miles in aid of suicide awareness. What a, uh, an absolutely fantastic achievement by her. And um, th- we thank her very much for presenting that award. Um, let's have a wee look around the league. Boys, dops, there's nothing. Like either the whole league's been very well behaved and not needing Dops, or Dops have gone on holiday for the month of December. <laughs> it's one or the other, so Merry Christmas to them. Who knows? <laughs> supportive uh, regards to yes, Dops. Supportive regards to Dops. <laughs> um, personnel changes. Mika Wakeman is out at the Coventry Blaze, and Copriva, uh, who was... Uh, uh, who was brought in and took that injury against the Cardiff Devils, a bit of a head injury, went back home. Uh, but he's now back in nets. Davey, Vigman had a bit of a meltdown at the back end of the game of the Coventry Blaze the other week, conceding three in the space of about five minutes. And it didn't take them long to, to ring that change. Yeah, when, when a goalie implodes like that, then there, there's probably more to it and uh, probably things going on there. Behind the scenes very quickly after the game, um, tweets from people within the organisation, tweets from people that maybe shouldn't be tweeting about what might be going on there. It, it leaves it a bit open to debate. And I would say that all was not well in the camp. And, and Mika Bigman's the one that has ended up paying the, the ultimate price and that he's lost his job over the head of it. So uh, they'll move on as quickly as they can to find a replacement. And uh, and obviously they have moved quickly to bring him in again. And, uh, you know, we hope that he's over his, his, his injury problems. And uh, they blaze, you know. They're down near the bottom there. They'll want to be getting themselves trying to push for that. You know, ultimately, these teams already halfway through the season are, are, are now trying to push to, to get that eighth spot. You know, it's wide open at the bottom end as well, and you get cut adrift very, very quickly. You say that, speaking of teams that are at the bottom end of the table trying to get back, it was a good weekend for the Manchester Storm. Um, they had an overtime penalty win over the Nottingham, uh, overtime, sorry, overtime win over the Nottingham Panthers, and then went up also to take. Uh, four points by taking the win over the Glasgow clan on Sunday. Coventry was just speak, came from three one down in the third period to beat the Panthers in overtime. Not a good weekend in overtime for the Nottingham Panthers this one. But the big story came in Dundee with the Sheffield Steelers, who with sixty six seconds left in the game were two nil down and came back 
to beat the Stars in overtime. That would have been the Stars' seventh win in a row, but it went to the OT. They only got one point. But, Joel, 66 seconds to go. So the hockey is cruel, isn't it? Like we, we mentioned it to Hunter there and players. It can be double cruel for fans. Sometimes, sometimes bleep happens. I mean, there, there's really, you know, if it was us that had won that with 66 seconds, I'd be sitting here talking about a character win, how we know that we'll never give up and the boys were playing for each other and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Sometimes it all just falls apart. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing to do with any sort of galvanized team in Sheffield. I'm not going to give them that. Um, it's, uh, it's such a damn shame for for Pash. You know, he's he's uh, he's put those stars on a hot streak. Maybe uh, when they technically shouldn't have been. You know, uh, against all rationale, they they shouldn't have been picking up the points that they have been in the last few weeks. And uh, a real real heartbreaker. But look, sometimes it happens. David, you know, between the Nottingham Panthers dumping that three one win to lose in overtime, and then that come from behind win in the dying seconds for the Sheffield Steelers. You got to feel for Pash, though. You know, it's the, the stars won six in a row. You know, the, the panic tactics from Steelers, they've pulled the goalie twice, got the two goals. So, yep. you know, it's, it, it, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's it's such a, a low um, percentage chance that it's came up. You've, you've got to feel our passion. You know, we're, we're friendly with the fella and I'm, we want to see him doing well, when, except when he's playing against us. And, you know, it's unfortunate for Stars. They're, they're, they're riding a bit of a crest of a wave there. Do you say that six in a row before that? Yeah. You know, they an opportunity to, to, to keep the pressure on and, and get themselves climbing up the league. And, They've really blown a chance there, and more, more, more disappointing for me. Five point five in the game, and uh, you know, <laughs> that's the real tragedy here. The real tragedy of that is my bad. Yeah, that's actually brought the Dundee Stars up from like the bottom two. I think they were tenth, and they're now in seventh. So you know, it's a, uh, it's a great, despite the fact that they still get a point from that. Not obviously. The full two points that Omar Pasha would have wanted, but they are steadily climbing the table and they're only two points behind the Sheffield Steelers with one game in hand. The table itself, your Belfast Giants sit atop, 26 games played, 40 points. Nottingham Panthers are three points behind on 37, haven't played two more games. The Cardiff Devils have enough games in hand to go level on points with the Belfast Giants, but they sit in third position, 24 played, 36 got. Um, the Five Flyers in fourth, 26 played, 32. Guildford Flames, then the Sheffield Steelers, the Dundee Stars, the Glasgow Clan, the Coventry Blaze, the Manchester Storm, 25 games played, 23 points, and the Milton Keynes Lightning, 25 games played. It's so tight. It's, it's so tight. tight at the bottom. That second half is unbelievable. It is. It goes from you, you're talking what? From the storm in tenth, all due respect to the Milton Keynes Lightning, they're starting to slow yeah. away a little bit. But the storm on twenty three, we'll go up from ten. Ten storm twenty three, Blaze nine on twenty three, uh, Clan eight on twenty three, Dundee seven on twenty four, Sheffield in sixth place on twenty six, Guildford in in fifth place on twenty seven. So that's four points from fifth down to tenth. On the bottom scary, side, so, scary business. So tight. But it's going to be an interesting second half of the season, both at the top and at the bottom of the league. Right, let's look ahead to this week. Of course, the Belfast Giants undertake three games in the space of the next, say, was it six days, five days? 
starting with the second leg of the Challenge Cup quarterfinal against the Dundee Stars back at your SSE Arena. That is on Tuesday night at 7pm. You get down to the SSE Arena or you can watch that on the webcast. No says, as we heard earlier, he's in Barcelona. I think it's Mace and Sheds who are doing it, which, yep. which should be interesting. We look forward to hearing <laughs> that. Um, nice. And then on Saturday, away to the Glasgow clan. And that's at 7 p.m. on Saturday. No webcast, of course. Keep an eye at AVFTB. We'll try to give as much information as we can. And then we go on Sunday to take on the Manchester Storm at the Drizzle Dome on Sunday, 5.30 p.m. And you'll get that on Storm TV with uh, probably Simon Harris. He'll be, uh, he'll be presenting that. Um, 8-0. That game on Tuesday night, Davey, uh, I don't know what to think about that. You know, it's. I, I would assume we'll probably see Andrew Dixon. We may well do. We'll definitely see the Sheepdog. You know, uh, yeah, Pat um, said that last week, didn't he? Pat said that on his interview last week. He'll try different line combinations. You know, he's not mailing it in as such, but he, he says, you know, it's an impossible task to have. So he's going to go and try different things. He'll try different different people and special teams. He'll. He'll work different line combos and uh, he'll just use it as a as a glorified scrimmage, I suppose. He'll he'll want to go out there and, and put a good account for his club forward, but you know, it's a difficult one for them. They've got a travel day ahead of them, they've got a they've got to take on the team that's top of the league and, and slightly buoyant. But I would expect that it will also give Adam Keith a chance to, to rest a few boys if there's any little niggles about it. He'll maybe do something with the goaltend and as you've said there, you know, there's, there's nothing to say Andrew Dixon, Stephen Stephen Murphy also We'll want to start that game as well, you know, because Murph hasn't played an awful lot of hockey in the last uh, couple of months. So there's an argument for both players to to get a bit of ice time tomorrow. So uh, well, we'll see how it goes. Like it is what it is. It's a uh, it's a game that I don't think anyone can really. The result isn't overly critical either way, uh, as long as you protect that you know that semi final slot, which is is all we we'll have to do. And uh, the Giants have to be professional about it. They have to go about it with uh, with an eye on, on getting into the semi-final and an eye on getting everybody through it whole and, and making sure there's no other injuries taken and getting the opportunity to maybe just give a few boys a night off. That's it. And you know, we go in, we want to keep the momentum up there as well, Joel, and, and then we go into we go into Glasgow. Where's the Kai? And we take on the, the clan. <laughs> um But yeah, both the game against the clan and the storm. We want to go in there with good momentum and back on the road again. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the midweek game, I, I put it to Adam Keith, just sort of what, how do you, how do you approach that? And his line was just to be professional. Uh, and he highlighted coming out of that game injury free. Uh, and that's, that's true for any sort of midweek game or, or any game that I don't want to call it dead rubber and Tim fate, but any game that, that looks kind of to be safe. But this week, more than ever, you're heading into a week, another weekend on the road against two teams who, can bang bodies and are physical and that especially the Manchester Storm this year absolute gun show but uh, <laughs> I mean even 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 in Glasgow as well you, you Brendan Connolly's there now uh, being as, as kind of chirpy and as, as uh, kind of close to the knuckle as he ever was uh, I find it hard to call this weekend honestly I mean Wednesday the Glasgow clan beat Sheffield 5-2 uh, then they come into a game against Manchester on Sunday was Sunday, it Sunday? Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously Manchester took the the road win there for two. They're two teams who are sort of uh, battling each other on the table and two teams that can hand you your butt any given night. So the, the Giants will have to just get right back onto that road mentality, that sort of siege mentality of having your back against the wall. Uh, just first of all, though, first and foremost, let's get the 
uh, close to formality of the Challenge Cup game out of the way this midweek. And, and let's be professional about it. Let's go and grind out a win. Um, you know, as Kiefer says, win the hockey game and you don't have to worry about aggregate. Let's get that out of the way. But listen, a, a huge physical weekend in store. Do not underestimate either of those teams. David, that game against Manchester on Sunday, obviously the last time we played Manchester was a bit of a, an ill-tempered affair that went to overtime and was a, highly entertaining. But, but you know, both teams and both sets of fans came out pretty angry at how the game went in itself. We now have this game on Sunday, which is the first of three consecutive games against a storm and what can be fairly deemed to be a series. Yeah, yeah three and three. And the Manchester storm, for every minute of penalties, the Belfast Giants have taken through the first 30 games this season. The Storm have taken more than two. You know, 709 penalty minutes. Great start. Great start. Thanks, thanks. Uh, <laughs> 353 for the Belfast Giants. 709. It's incredible. And, you know, it, it's we have had an incredibly disciplined start this season. That's one thing from last season that we have learned massively. I don't think we've had a 10-minute misconduct this season. We were... You know, we were throwing them out like confetti at a wedding last year. It's uh, it's um, that that's something that's really, really improved it drastically. Our discipline and discipline across the league, of course, Michael Hicks last week saying that uh, it's improved everywhere, maybe bar altering them. So uh, that's maybe something to play on. You've got to find a, your opposition's weakness. That's one of them. Clearly, is their discipline, and you know we're a very good team on the power play. Penalty kills up there towards ninety percent. Special power play is over twenty five. So all things looking good there. Glasgow, on any given night, you just don't... Both teams are consistently inconsistent. That's what I would pretty much say about them. You know, Clan are running about 500, Manchester 460. So you just don't really know what you're going to get. You know, the, the Manchester Storm are able to, to go to Clan and win. They're able to beat Nottingham on their own ice. So, you know, they're, they're no mugs, but they just can't they get that consistency. They seem to come with a couple of wins, lose a couple of games, win a couple. So it's not even like they're, you know, you can predict what sort of team they're going to... You know, put it. Kieran Long's having a heck of a season for them, half. putting himself in the contention for, you know, to wear the lion next next spring, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it's it's going to be a good weekend of hockey, that's for sure. Kieran Long obviously coming up with that overtime winner <laughs> last weekend against the Nottingham Panthers at the uh, at the Drizzle Dome in Aldergan. So uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been playing really well. Can't let you have that stat, Davey, without. I'm a stat man. <laughs> Had to be done. <laughs> hard earned this week. Hard, hard earned. Hard earned that. So the three games, as I said, Tuesday night, seven p.m. versus the Dundee Stars at your SSE Arena. Get yourself down there, and if you can't, you can join Mace and Sheds on the webcast from Belfast Giants TV. The Belfast Giants lead that game eight nothing going into the second leg. Saturday, seven p.m. over in the shopping centre at Brayhead, the Glasgow Clan away in elite league competition. Seven p.m. Saturday, no webcast there. Keep an eye on that AVFTB. We'll try to point you in the right direction. And then on Sunday, at the Drizzle Dome in Altrincham, the Manchester Storm uh, in elite league competition. Five thirty p.m. on Sunday. You can get that if you're not going over on Storm TV. Any other business, boys? Uh, just quickly, uh, for anyone who's listening to this before the game, uh, it would be this evening. Uh, we're recording on a Monday night here, but I have a, a sort of small number of the Team Scarlet uh, <laughs> bracelets and badges, thanks to uh, Chloe Jones, who was over at the weekend there with a few other uh, friendly Devils faces. It was good to see we Shawnee and, uh, and so forth. But um, I'm going to probably be in Boomerang Corner for the game. Uh, come and find me. Uh, 
it's kind of first come first served. It's really hard to kind of hold any of these back. I don't have too many, but um, the little wristbands and, and, and the uh, sorry, the little bracelets and the badges, all the proceeds are going to the I think it's the Noah's Ark Children's Hospital over in Wales, mm-hmm. um, who were uh, instrumental in a lot of uh, Wee Scarlet's treatment uh, before she passed there. So a really fantastic charity, and it's three pound minimum for each of the things. And if you can, I know it's a rough time of year and everybody's kind of strapped, but if you can dig deep, it would be a lovely wee gesture just for uh, for Claire and, and the family over in Wales. And um, so come find me. I don't have many but i'll try and get more after those ones go here here davy anything i do i'm gonna try and work in a really really stone roses reference oh wow um, she bangs the drum um we joe is that a real name so that's just what we call her we joe it's jolene 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 so many references now um <laughs> jolene has um sent a little twitter dm to me saying hey guys I don't know if that's how you touch or not. <laughs> that was that was dead ringer, man. Dead ringer. Oh, that's she was on there. I thought she was on. Okay. okay. Damn. Um, Hold on. That's what I did. Could you give me a shout out in a podcast? <laughs> what's that? What's that? Mate, you've got a Belfast accent. You don't need to put a Belfast accent on. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. All right. Anyway, here goes. Hey, guys, could you give me a shout out on the podcast and see if anyone else wants tickets to the Cardiff Doubleheader? Could they DM me here or on Facebook? They need to have let me know I'm paid by the 19th. I'm assuming the 19th of January. Don't, Don't know. know. Not December. Sure. Bit, December, it's it. There. Bit ambiguous there, Jolene, but we've done it for you. We are nearly at the 100 mark of fans going. Smiley face. Amen. Thank you. So, And just like her Raven days, there'll be no tech money up front. No tech. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Joe, the, um, Joe does not like the pick. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, obviously doing something that I know that uh, Garrett does it when the devils come this way and sort of get everybody together and try to get a bit of a discount rate and whatever from uh, from a, a group rate going over to the Cardiff Devils. So if you want, contact Wee Joe on Twitter. We'll fire up details of that and we'll point you in the right direction. If you're heading over to the Cardiff Doubleheader and you want to pay up before the 19th and get yourself a ticket sorted out for that, get in touch with her. Um, is that a place? think so. Uh, happy days and go and have a limp sip and um, thanks very much to hunter bishop for his time earlier on some yeah. great chat in there thanks to simon Thank kitchen you. all the way from sunny barcelona and, um, <laughs> yeah, as you say as you say davy's off to watch the uh, the lionel messi show i don't see spurs getting much from that game um if you want to get in touch with us at avftb on twitter facebook search, search for reviews from the bridge and of course kingdom of the giants.com for all bits and pieces we've had a few articles come up over there in the last couple of days last couple of weeks and all highlights and, and interviews and all stuff like that kingdom of the giants.com thank you david thank you joel pleasure as always boys thank you and uh, wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey, especially if you're heading out to Glasgow or Manchester for the games there. And we'll see you here next time on A View from the Bridge. Podcast Network.